Welcome to True Talks, an honest and open look into the challenges we all face every day dealing with God, family, and others. Now, here's Pastor Tim Buttry, founder and CEO of True Relationships. Actually, I felt like a rock star yesterday, last night, at uh, Cracker Barrel. I was sitting there with my brother and some friends, and... Um, the server came up and said, there's somebody in the restaurant that wants to know if you guys are a band or if you golf. I said, both. But uh, it's great to be with you this morning. And, uh, you know, I was sitting over there and was a bit uh, convicted. I thought maybe we should just show the video again and then just pray and go home, you know. I don't know. How many guys, which, do you guys know which one of those four you are or would want to be? Those four guys were awesome, weren't they? And, you know, we like to make, yeah, yeah, we like to make fun of ourselves, and I think that's a, a healthy thing. That means we have a pretty strong self-image, I would like to think or believe, but yet a lot of times there are hurting men that we don't know about. Your husband's wives can be hurting in ways that they may never let you know, or you may know, and you think they don't, and uh, and they're so we're, we're we're simple, but we're complicated. Uh, maybe that's a bit like you all, as far as the the wives and the w- women in the room as well. But I think when it comes to um, areas of fathers, mothers, kids, relationship, I guess I'm the designated hitter here for Grace Crossing, and I appreciate that very, very, very much. Um, Some of you know, I think the church has grown so much and there are so many new friends here that uh, I don't know you and you very well may not know me. And uh, so again, uh, my name's Tim and uh, we are, my wife and Linda and I, my wife Linda over there, for those of you that are fairly new, um, we have a ministry called Restoration Resources and uh, it's a ministry dedicated to the restoring of the family And uh, God has helped us over the last decade to come alongside of so many couples and so many fathers and so many mothers and families. And we're grateful for what he has allowed to come out of our lives and out of even our own mistakes and failures. God has used them to uh, bring restoration and refreshing to to many, many, many couples. And so we're we're grateful for that. Uh, Just since I have the opportunity real briefly um, our ministry is kind of going through a bit of a facelift, and we're making some changes. Uh, we, as of very shortly, and I kept, I've been saying that for a month or so now, but there are always these little setbacks. But our ministry is changing names. We're no longer going to be known as Restoration Resources, which we've had for the last 10 years. We are now going to be known as True Relationships. So our website will be changing. All of our media will be changing and uh, we're just going to be able to focus a little more specifically on what we really know God's called us to do, and that is to help people discover true relationships with each other and with God. So you'll hopefully be hearing some of that. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and all the other social medias, as well as a, a website. So check us out if you don't know about us uh, up to this point. I'd like to uh, also take the opportunity to honor my father, who is here today, and you will notice that he is old school. They left church at their church this morning to come over here, and he is in a suit and tie. So, Dad, would you stand, please? My dad, Jack. 
So uh, I dedicate this message this morning to him. My message is entitled, interestingly enough, the same title as the name of the video that we watched, and I didn't even know that. So uh, the name of my message this morning is A Dad's Life. And what I want to do is I want to identify qualities that kids respect. You know, I was thinking about the passage that says, honor your father and mother. Now, now that's one of the Ten Commandments. So, you know, I know that in our culture today, we have really uh, denigrated and lessened the value of the Ten Commandments. Uh, governments are removing it from their courthouse walls, etc. But they are still God's commands for us. And as believers, we recognize the power of those commands that God has given us. And when you think about it, I mean, we're talking about honor your father. And I'll just leave it at that this morning, even though it is father and mother. But today is on Father's Day. There's a statement there that says honor your father. That is in the same place that we find don't murder. There's something that God recognizes about the value of honoring our fathers that blesses us. As a matter of fact, Paul in the New Testament went so far as to say that that command is the only one that comes with a blessing. That if you honor your father and mother, you'll have a long life. You'll be blessed. So there there has to be something more than I think we often recognize in that. And the command is for Children, or those who have a father, which uh, you may not be a child, but you still have a father, just like I do. And it is my responsibility to honor my father. And that's appropriate and necessary. And I'm grateful that I can honor my father because he's an honorable man. But what if your father... Your earthly father isn't honorable. That's where this command comes into play for those of us that have dishonorable fathers or those that we can't respect or that hurt hurt us or wounded us. And by the way, every man in this room has been wounded at some level by their father. So we all have little things that we could say, I can't respect him. And yet still, God says, honor. Honor your father. Well, as I was thinking about this whole idea of honor your father, I began to realize that this command really cuts both ways. This is not a single-sided issue. Children, yes, are commanded to honor their fathers and mothers. And this, this first part of the command doesn't mean pretending that our parents or our fathers are perfect. They are not. We may strive for that, but we will fail. Now, that bums me out. I don't know about you. I don't like failing. I want to be all that I'm supposed to be. And and that selfish desire, really, on my part, caused me to miss a lot of the things that I was doing wrong to my wife and my kids because I was so bent on trying to not be a failure that I missed the things that were making me a failure. Because I didn't want to see those things. And so I worked really hard. And I, all I know is, is that we will not be perfect. 
So what does this command mean? What does it place on us as children, and we all are at some level, what what does it command? What does it demand of us? Well, I believe that primarily this command means that we have to recognize the place our fathers have played in bringing us to life. Now, that may seem very minimal, but it's not in God's eyes. And even if that father, God forbid, be one who was reckless and foolish and brought you into this world without any preparedness or conviction to even be a father and perhaps left you fatherless, I still believe that in the big picture, God expects us to honor the one who gave us life our Heavenly Father, and our earthly Father, who God used to give you life so that He could pleasure in you. that's That's the bottom line. God wants you to honor your Father because He gave you life. And because He gave you life, God destined you, purposed that to be for you, even though you may have had a miserable dad's life. Even though you may be broken and undone, the bottom line is God finds great pleasure in you. He has been personally involved in forming you, creating you, shaping you. And if you are a father, that's part of what you're supposed to be doing as well. What God does for you in pleasuring in you, in... uh, shaping you and preparing you. Those are all the same things that God asks us as fathers to participate in. I do a lot of counseling, and most of that counseling, as it has kind of taken shape, has become crisis counseling. Counseling for couples and families that have been rocked by all kinds of Horrible sins, sexual sins, adultery, pornography, etc., divorce. So many of those things are, are what I would refer to as intimate wounds. They are those things that cut deeply in our hearts. And the funny thing is, so many of those things that can be so devastating happen in the confines or in what is supposed to be the protection of our home. And yet so often I find that that's not the case. And often the reason that's the case is because there has not been an act of forgiveness on a man's part toward his father. He is still angry. He is still bitter. He has been unwilling to forgive. And as a result of that act of his will, he has become embittered. And he gets angry quickly. And unfortunately, those who have neglected or refused to forgive their father have themselves remained angry many times for decades. Now, not only is this unhealthy for the dad, but it also establishes or exacerbates an ill effect on our children. It it causes an impact on not just one generation, but 
the Bible says that the sins of fathers, God visits punishment on that line for up to four generations for the rebellion. Now, again, I'm talking about pure, outright, foolish rebellion, not mistakes or sins that we repent of. But still, the seriousness of what we do is embedded in that statement that God brings judgment even on future generations because what we do or don't do. Now, I know that's unsettling. That's sobering. That's the kind of responsibility that you and I have as men. Now, I know that all of you aren't fathers, but you all have one or had one, and you all may end up being one. So it's, I think, to our benefit to listen deeply to what God expects of men, not just fathers, but of men. I believe with all of my heart that in our communities, every man should be a father figure. I believe that in our communities, when we see two kids fighting, even if we're not their dad, or even if we're not a dad, I think it's appropriate for us to go over there and intercede and help the situation and tell them why what they're doing is destructive. I remember sitting at my home when we lived in California, and we lived right down the street from a park, and there was a boy and a girl, probably about 16 years old, happened to go out the front door and in the park. They were fighting. I mean... He was pulling her hair, and she was slapping him in the face. I'm serious. And it's like, I'm not going to sit here and watch that. I wasn't laughing at that. That wasn't funny to me. I got out of my house. I went down to the park, and I pulled them apart, and I sat them down, and I talked to them. And I told them what this is going to do if they continue this kind of behavior, what it's going to do to their, to each other or whoever they end up with, that this is destructive behavior and it will kill them. Maybe not physically, but emotionally and spiritually. And I gave them my number. They never called me, but. <laughs> and I know they had cell phones. I saw them, so they could have, but. So you, you hear my point. Um, but I believe that this, this command that we're looking at here cuts deeper. And I believe that this command should really pierce the heart of every father because we want our children to honor us. Am I right? Those fathers that um, stood up earlier, don't you in your heart of hearts want your children to rise up Someday and call you blessed? Don't you want them to talk well, excuse me, about you to their friends, to their circle of influence? So that's why I think this command is deeper than just the child honoring their father, because I think ultimately that's really just about acknowledging their part by God in bringing us to life. But if I want to be a father whose children honor him, I believe I have to be honorable. Honorable. What does it mean to be honorable? What does it take to be honorable? Well, there are 
probably dozens, if not hundreds of qualities. And this isn't a series that I'm teaching. It's one Sunday message. And so I have to limit those qualities to just three. Those three qualities, I hope, will convict and direct and inform and inspire every man, father or otherwise, in this room. If we are to be honorable, I think the the first thing that we have to do or be, I think more importantly it's being, my brother and I had a little conversation about this, the difference and what the church often demands of us as men is doing. Do this, do that, fill this role, meet this need, fix this problem, and we are often called on as men to do. And I'm sure all of you have heard it, and so it's nothing new, but uh, I'm often reminded of the fact that we are not called to be human doings. We are called to be human beings. And that commands, that demands something of us that oftentimes we want to neglect. As a part of the fall, guys, we have a tendency to be lazy. We have a tendency to avoid. We have a tendency to shut down. We want to do as little as we can because that's what Father Adam uh, kind of modeled for us. And so if we're going to be honorable, we have to be intentional about what we do, why we're doing it, and whether or not we're accomplishing in the task, which means you have to be willing to have feedback. You may have to go home someday and ask your children, how am I doing? If you got a card on Father's Day that said, Dad, I don't say this very often, but I just wanted you to know, and the card said that, not them, then you might want to ask a question. You might want to find out whether or not you're really getting the job done and be open to what that response might be. So, number one, the first quality that I think kids respect and enable them to honor their father is I want you to be your children's spiritual mentor. I want you to have a mature faith that is organic and naturally embraced by your children. Now, this is, this is big stuff. I mean, I know it's not that profound, but it's actually so simple that it is profound. Our faith as fathers, you know, we, that we sang that old hymn, Faith of Our Fathers. I don't want that to be about Paul and Silas and whoever else back in the day. I want that to be, to be about the generation that preceded us, faith of our fathers. And I believe that we have to take seriously our responsibility, not so much to be a spiritual leader. I think, I think we've kind of confused that a little bit. And again, we've made being a spiritual leader in our home about doing, about doing devotions, about praying at night, about this, about that, about going to church, etc. And I want you to hear today that being a spiritual father for your children is not about doing. It's about being. And so by organic, and I know that's kind of a catchword right now and everybody's using it, but I, I, I think it fits. And, and by organic, what I mean is sincere, 
genuine, authentic, natural. I, I really, I think I like the word natural the best. Because if our faith is natural, it's identified as actual. It's real. It's who you are. It's not contrived. It's not forced. It's not demanded. It is who you are. And I believe that when children see parents... Now, again, I don't mean to make anybody feel guilty that's had a child situation where that child got old enough to make their own decision and they walked away either temporarily or permanently that it's your fault or that you weren't living a real faith. But what I do want to make sure we do is evaluate in our hearts whether or not that is the case. Do you have a natural faith, fathers? Do you have a faith that your children see in action naturally? In decision-making, in loving, in the way you treat your wife, in the way you treat your father, in the way you handle situations. Is it natural? I think that in order for that to happen, obviously we have to know God's Word. But what I do believe that we should not do is we should not shove that down our children's throats. That's not natural. What, what's natural about intake? It's called appetite. You can't shove it down their throats. You have to elicit, you have to uh, create a, 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 an appetite. Taste and see, the Bible says, that the Lord is good. God knows He's got what it takes. He's got the goods. Just make it so that your children are have a a palate for the things of God. And I I like that. I don't know about you, but I like that. I want my kids to have an appetite. I'll tell you one of the the things that got me the most when our kids went off to do their own lives and they went to school and they graduated. Our son Josh is in California. He had to find his own church and we were here. And the church that he goes to is probably, in my opinion, one of the greatest churches in America, and it's certainly one of the, the, the most unique churches in Southern California. It's called Rock Harbor. At that time, the pastor-teacher of that church was one that was a no-nonsense kind of a guy. And I remember Linda and I asking Josh, Josh, why, why do you like going to this church? What is it about Rock Harbor that you like? And here's what he said. He said, every Sunday... I feel like I've been punched in the gut, and it makes me have to change. It's like, whoa! <laughs> that, that's the way you see all of this? I was so impressed because he had a hunger for more. He didn't want status quo. He didn't want to just get by. <laughs> he wanted something that was going to affect him. You know what? I, I think that is a God-given masculine trait that somehow, I hope, that I was able to instill in him or model for him to where he didn't want to just be a Christian. He wanted to be a man of God. And now they have a child that he now is raising as a godly father. And I can't believe it. I'm a grandpa. What is that about? So, 
Don't shove it down their throats. Live for God relationally, not legalistically. Lead by example, not by expectation. Never, never, never say, do what I say, not what I do. Oh, my. I, I really, that's one of those phrases that I despise. It's like, seriously? That, that's what you want to tell your kid? Like, that's going to work? But it doesn't work. And if I can help any dad here that has a tendency to say those kind of things, well, hopefully I just hit you in the gut. <laughs> Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7. I believe that should be up on the screen next. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. What is being said here to us? This says, have a natural faith. Don't force it. Make it a part of your everyday life. Make it a part of the decisions that you make. Express those things. Don't, don't hide your faith away from your children. Make it something that's exposed, that's natural, that's real, that's out in the open all the time. Not just when you pray, or not just when you are doing your devotions, but in everything you say, every choice you make, And even help them to see, kids, we're doing this because mom and I prayed about it and we believe this is what we're supposed to do. That's where kids learn real faith, is when it's modeled in a way that's in front of them. Teach it to your children. Let it be in front of them all the time. That is our responsibility to be mentors to our children. Now... Although going to church is far from the epitome of living the life of faith or living in Christ. I think a a Swiss study that was noted by Stephen Arterburn, a great author on relationship issues, I think this Swiss study is worthy of consideration. The study revealed the effects of a father's spiritual leadership on his children. The study's primary conclusion was that, and I quote, it is the religious practice of the father of of the family that, above all, determines the future attendance at or absence from church for his children. It is the sole responsibility, it is the religious practice of the father. Let me give you some of the statistics that came out of this study, that when a father and mother go to church regularly, 33% of their children will do likewise, while 41% will become irregular attenders. Still a faith, still an identification with, but maybe not as consistent or as committed, but still pretty significant percentage of those children. The next Conclusion was that if father attends irregularly while mom goes regularly, only 3% of the couple's children will be consistent churchgoers, 
while 59% become irregular. And that meant church going. (laughs) They will become irregular. I'm sorry. And the last conclusion of this study (laughs) is that if a father is a faithful church attender, but the wife or mother is sporadic or doesn't go at all, (laughs) the percentage actually increases to 38% of his children will become regular churchgoers, while 44% will become irregular worshipers as adults. Gary Clymer, you've been identified as a godly man. I don't know where you're at. There you are, my man. Gary Clymer sitting right here. And you see what's next to him? Two sons. Gary has expressed a value and identified a purpose and so many other things. And his faith, his commitment, his Ability to say, no, I'm not going to let this get me down. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to be angry at God. I'm going to give my life and I'm going to show my kids that this faith thing is real. Guess what? His kids have seen that. And they're here. And they're involved. And they stand at the door and they shake your hands and they say, welcome to Grace Crossing. (laughs) You see, he's already... We've already, in, in our little church here, we have proof of these things right in front of us. And I think it's important that we acknowledge them. Number two. The second thing that I believe children respect in their fathers is that we need to make sacrifices. The, the, the value is spending quality and quantity. Everybody say quality Everybody say quantity. Quantity. Okay? It's both. Make sacrifices in order to spend quantity and quality time with your family. A father's influence and unique parenting perspectives are invaluable. The regret most often confessed by men who are dying is... You all know what it is. What is the confession most often given by men on their deathbed? I wish I had spent more time with my family. Now, you're all alive. You have the opportunity to make good on that and to start doing what you know you're going to wish you'd have done when it comes to your last day. What are you going to do about that? I believe that um, dads are hardwired by our Creator to be creative, to create. I believe that we are hardwired by our Creator to, to shape and to set a purpose and an intent for things, especially our children. For sons, dads understand their need for adventure, for sweat and dirt and competition, and mud, and fascination with things like strange bodily noises. That's what kids do, especially boys, and fathers have an ability to understand that like mamas don't. 
If we are not there for our sons, they could easily be pushed into a mold other than what they were born to be. Those mischievous creatures called boys. I am convinced that my job as a dad and now a papa is to make sure that the boys in my life are free to be who they are as boys and men. For daughters, dads offer healthy, masculine affection and attention. Self-image and self-esteem are often molded by the relationship our daughters have with us as fathers, and it also often is reflected in the relationship that our daughters may not have with their father. A father teaches his daughter that her worth is not found on what is on the outside, but her worth is found on what is on the inside. And when an adolescent daughter feels loved, valued, and protected by her father, she will not seek out those benefits from a selfish, immature, testosterone-filled boy. But she will know that it is appropriate for her to wait until that boy becomes a man and can treat her like her father did. And if you treat your daughter in such a way, she will not settle for less. She needs you to model what it means to be respected, loved, admired, cherished, cared for, loved in appropriate ways. Charles Francis Adams, um, a great 19th century political figure and diplomat, kept a diary. In his diary, one day he entered these words, and I quote, Went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. His son, Brooke Adams, also kept a diary which is still in existence to this day. And on that same day, Brooke Adams made this entry in his journal, and I quote, Went fishing with my father, the most wonderful day of my life. The father thought he was wasting time while fishing with his son, but his son saw it as an investment of time. And the only way to tell the difference between wasting and investing is to know one's ultimate purpose in life and to judge accordingly. When you know what you're supposed to be doing, raising godly children, then work takes a back seat. It's necessary. Provision for your family is critical. But what's more important is to know that your children are prepared. And lastly, the third thing that I want to stress today that I believe allows children to honor their fathers is don't punish. Instead, Bring correction. Wounds inflicted out of anger may never completely heal. Painful correction is only temporary. It does not work. It does not last. It does not fix. It often wounds, and those wounds can last a lifetime. But it also result, uh, proper discipline also results in healthy, productive, spiritual, mature individuals. And so, 
I want to refer you to a couple of verses quickly. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm sorry, chapter 6, verse 4. It says, Fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the Master. I mean, it, it, take that verse in keeping with what we've talked about today. That's all that matters. Don't exasperate them. Don't get angry with them. Don't lash out at them. Don't let your situation be taken out on them because you're stressed and upset. No. Just help them to see the way of the Master. Another verse that's like unto it is found in Colossians 3.21. And it says, Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Do you have children that are discouraged? If you do, you might want to investigate whether or not what you're doing is punishing them so much that they can't feel good about themselves. And your efforts to correct them or set them on some right path has instead wounded them and discouraged them. Let me close with this passage out of the message in Hebrews chapter 12. It says this, So don't feel sorry for yourselves. Or have you forgotten how good parents treat children? And that God regards you as His children? My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline. But don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment. It's training. The normal experience of children. Perhaps... Our culture has so deluded us that we have forgotten what discipline is for or about. It's instruction. It's training. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us, so why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. But God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline, correction, instruction isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. (laughs) Later, of course, it pays off handsomely. For it's the well trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. This is what God does for us. This is what you do for your children. To the best of your ability, fathers, treat your children, correct your children, instruct your children in a fashion like unto our Heavenly Father who so loves us and so cares about our future, that He sets us up for success, not for failure. Close your eyes with me, if you would, please, as we close this Father's Day 
together in this great place that we all love and we care about the people, the fathers, the children that are here. Let me just pray a prayer of blessing. I think that's one of the things that fathers are supposed to do. They're supposed to bless their children. They're supposed to speak blessing over them. They are to enhance their personalities, not squelch them, not make them like one of the other children, but let them be who they are. Train up a child in the way he should go. You're supposed to be individually finding what God's purpose for their lives are, not making them like you or some other child in the family. Train them up. Discover their gifts, their purpose, their unique wiring and personality. That's what dads are supposed to do. So, fathers, I almost feel odd standing in front of you as a man and to think that one of the things God wants me to do right now is to speak a blessing over you. Because I don't feel qualified for that. I don't feel like I have any authority to be able to do that. And yet... What my heart tells me is all that matters to me is that every father in this room would be successful in their relationships with their children and their spouse and that God would do a work in you today that's deep. So let me pray over you. Lord, I I pray your blessing upon every single man and especially every father in this room. I pray that you'd bless them with wisdom. Bless them with insight. Bless them with discernment. Bless them with patience. Bless them with long-suffering. Bless them with insight and values. Bless them with obedience to you so that it's modeled for their children. Bless them today with a sense of propriety and of necessity to do these things. For the day is short. The time is coming where we will not have time to make any more investments. Everything will be burned up. So God, help us today. Help us as men to not be lazy. Help us as men to not be afraid. Help us as fathers to take the risk of asking our children and our spouse how we're doing as men, as husbands, as fathers. So, Lord, today on this Father's Day, may every dad be blessed. May every dad be inspired and encouraged. But I also pray that every dad would be willing to humble his heart and say, Okay, God, where am I failing as a dad? And how can I do that job better? This blessing I pray over these men. This has been True Talks with Pastor Tim Buttrey. If you'd like more information about True Relationships, just visit us on the web at truerelationships.org or on Twitter at Tim Buttrey or on Facebook at True Plus True.